Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Romans 8, and what a ride it has been. We found out what? There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That we are in Christ Jesus, and God the Father sees us such. That we are secured in Him. We also saw that we have really the opportunity and the blessing to walk hand in hand with the Lord. And that's what walking in the Spirit really means. The Lord bids us to come. To grab onto his hand and to walk with him as a child. Today we're going to learn a little more. And you will, this is more for, for our benefit and understanding of what it really means. To what? Stand and rise and we'll figure it out. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> we're going to start verse 1. We'll get some momentum going there. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray. Father, our prayer this morning is is that we grab hold of the truth that we are reading this morning. Lord, that doubts would be cast aside, that our faith would be built up on our holy faith in Christ Jesus. And Lord, that we would understand what it means that your Spirit dwells in us. Bless this time, Father, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, did you get it? Do you understand it? Do you believe it? That the Spirit of the living God is in you. Now, I know what you're saying. I don't feel Him sometimes. Well, it's not based on feeling. We're going to find out. Now, if you will, go to verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, stop. Now, you might say, well, if, right? Well, it's not really like that. It's more like sense. I mean, it'd be like this. It'd be like if, you know, I'm going to apply for a job and you came up to me and said, wow, you're going to work there. If you work, if you work there, that's a great job. But let's say I am working there and you didn't know that. And we're talking and you say, wait a minute, 
If you're working there, that's a great job. See the difference? Since you are. Since you are dwelt with the Holy Spirit. Can you actually understand that? Right now, the Almighty God is inside you. I know. You're saying, come on, really? How does that work out? How does it work out that I can understand that and be sure? Well, because of that, and because of the power of that, and because of the truth of that, and because of the importance of that, we're going to go through this. We're going to throw through a lot of scriptures at you. But again, it's for our benefit is to understand. First, we must understand, what did the Holy Spirit do before we were saved? Jesus tells us in John 16, He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's come to convict the world. Why? Because, again, Jesus says in John 15, He says this, But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of Me. He will witness of Me. So the Holy Spirit, before you came to Christ, He was convicting of your sin. He was bringing to the attention of not your righteousness, but Christ's righteousness and the judgment to come. And He was testifying that, witnessing that Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, saved you from your sin. That's how you came. Or, also, Jesus says, if my Father did not draw you to Himself, you would not have come. Now, that's powerful in itself. Let that just sink into your heart and mind. You're not just floating around in some abyss. You're not just guessing. No, no. There's a working God that's in your life. And He's brought you to this place, to this point, to understand this. So, when we believe, what happened? Well, Jesus said, Surely I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then He goes on to say, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. That you are born again. Or like it says in Titus 3.5, excuse me, not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to His mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. You coming here to this church, or any church, you coming to faith, let's back up, you coming to faith wasn't something you did just on your own. God was wooing you. God knows your life. He knew the time that you would come to Him. But He also, if you will, gave you new life by making you born again. That's all God's work. All you did was believe it and receive it. God dissolved it. So understand this. It's very simple. He wooed me, and then He caused new birth inside me. And then when that happened, He baptized me into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, 
whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So something miraculously happens. It's not only you become born again, but you become part of the body of Christ. How does that work? Well, it's very interesting, but also very deep. So let's just put it simply. You see, God, Spirit, is inside each of us. And God's Spirit has come to do one thing. Glorify Christ in us. And so we individually are light shining, but together we're a light shining on a hill. That we all have a place and a purpose. In this place you have a a part in this body. You might not feel it. You might not have discovered it yet, but you do. God is working in and through you to enhance this body, to strengthen it, to encourage it, to bring purpose and power. Do you believe it? God says it. God declares it. Now, here's the thing that, again, he comes in what? He comes inside us. But, again, that seems kind of, you know, weird, if you will. But let's bring it down to home. Because, see, he's come to dwell or be home in you. Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. You're his house. You're his home. That's why he says he abides in you. He's at home in you. Now, if that doesn't make you cause to wonder, how about this? You are the temple of God. And the Word says this really, if you will, directly or indirectly, seven times. You know what that means? God's trying to make a point. Understand this. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? He goes on to say in 6.19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? In his next letter to the Corinthians, in 6.16, he says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, think about this with me. God's at home in us, but understand what the temple is for. It's to manifest his presence, his name, his character. His reputation in you, in me. So what does this speak of? We're his children. Romans 8.16, which we'll get into uh, Lord knows when. But it says this. The Spirit, himself bear, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And Galatians 4, 6 goes on to say, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. See, He's, he's basically given us His name. He he desires for His character to be worked out in us by, again, the fruit of the Spirit working in you, working in me, manifesting itself with each other and others that do not believe. 
Now, notice though, again, those that don't have the Spirit, in verse 9, are not His. And then look at verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. That word life means the absolute fullness of life, the real, the genuine. That's what He does in each of us. Being born again, He's given us a life that is absolute, that's real, that's genuine. How does He display this? Well, first of all, He gives us a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26-27, He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. In Hebrews chapter 10, he says, But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into your hearts and into your minds and I will write them. See, we're getting personal here. See, as Paul says, you are an epistle. God's writing, if you will, your story. It's already been written, if you really want to know the truth. It's kind of weird. There's a, there's a library, if you will, in heaven. And there's a book that has your name on it. And there's a, a beginning and there's an end. That's how God sees our life. We're, we're wrestling. We're, we're struggling. We're sweating. And God says, shh, you're right here. You're right here. And I put a new heart in you. And a new spirit because you're born again. Now, builds and breaks and into something so much more wonderful that we can never understand. Because of this, God has given us by His Spirit the capacity to know Him. Listen to Ephesians 1.17. That the God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. See, Daddy, Papa, Abba, God your Father, wants us to know Him. And we each have the capacity to understand and know Him. Not because of your genius, your brain, or your giving heart, none of that. It's because God's Spirit in you. God knows, and see, I know this because I'm married to a teacher, that each student needs a different way of learning. It's just the way we are. God knows that. He knows that about each of us. He doesn't teach us all the same. That's why we have different experiences. That's why we have different backgrounds. See, really, we get all hung up here, but the truth of the matter is, is God's having us on this journey because we're going home. And when we're home, we're not going to go up there and go, Oh God, why did I have to go? It doesn't matter because He used everything in our lives. And if you will, maybe he does. He opens the book and becomes 3D to us. The things we didn't understand there, now here that we do understand that God was at work, even there, even in the midst of all that tragedy, that junk. Because this world, if you will, is dying apart from him. Life is only given by God. And when home is the place we be, then home we understand that ah, it's not worth it. Everything. And not that we understand everything fully, but we do see that God takes everything in our lives and works it out for His good and for His purpose. And all we can just say, Ah, oh, Abba, thank you. So hold on, dear ones. Life may not make sense here, but it will. 
But see, it's not just to know the Father. It's to know Jesus. In John chapter 16, Jesus says it this way. He says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me. For He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. See, the Holy Spirit, His work really is to glorify the Son. See, without the Son, none of us have hope. None of us. But through the Son... We all have hope. In fact, we've all been now born again because of what He's done. And we're going to celebrate that in the communion service. That Christ died for you. That your sin, like we talked about before, has been wiped off. It's clean. That there's no condemnation in Him because He's paid it all. He's done it all. He was able to. That's the joy and rejoicing that we come in here. We think so many times that it's about a scorecard. No, it's not. It's about his scorecard. And he says, clean. Every one of us. And that we're in him. And the world has to understand that we are in him. It also teaches us about Jesus and his word, the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is really cool. Listen to this. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father, oh, excuse me, now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might not know the things, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. See, something miraculous has happened. I, I hear it's, it's interesting because I'll listen to atheists and I'll, I'll listen to their debates and stuff like that. And I find it very fascinating because they, they may read the Word of God, but they don't know the God of the Word. There's a big difference. When you don't know the God of the Word, then it just can become a book. In fact, what it can even become to them has to be myth and legend. Because see, if you take God away from the book, then you can throw this with all the other religious books. But see, it's different with ours because we have a God that has revealed himself in many ways. Whether it's creation, whether it's the minute parts of creation, whether it's the word and prophecy, whether it's Israel itself, whether it's Jesus and his life, his death and his resurrection. The tomb is empty. It's been declared, but also proven as much as can be when you look back historically by written words, by not only the Gospels, but also, if you will, um, secular historians. There's more proof that Jesus Christ walked this earth than George Washington himself. But it's not just that, it's also prophecy that's happening around us right now. It's already written in here. But see, we understand that because God speaks to our heart and testifies to us. And we say, oh God, you know. You're in control. And for that we rejoice. But see, He's teaching us. Just as you're sitting here right now, 
It's asking God to teach us, not me, but God's word coming into your heart. That you coming with him, because that's what he says, like in Isaiah, come, let's talk together, let's reason. Don't ever think God wants you to put your brain down somewhere and you just have to go blindly. No, he wants you to think, he wants you to see, he wants you to know, he wants you to experience. He wants you to taste and see. He wants you to smell of him. He wants you to see him. He wants you to hear him. It's a fellowship that all of us can enter into because he calls us his child. And he's planted his name upon us. His character. His reputation. What a wonderful God we have. See, he hasn't left us as orphans, but he's filled us with his spirit. But see, He teaches us truth. In 1 John 2.27, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. He's at home, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, is not a lie, and just as He has taught you, you will abide in Him. Interesting. We have the Holy Spirit to teach us every step of the way in life. No, again, the question comes, are we listening? Are we talking to Him? Are we asking? And just because we don't feel Him or we don't sense the answer right away, we think, oh, He's abandoned us. No. Never. So see how important it is to seek the truth in Him, to seek His voice and understanding, to seek His knowledge in whatever we find ourselves in. Which we understand that He shows, the Holy Spirit shows us to know the Father, the Son. He teaches us about Jesus and His Word. He teaches us the truth. He also gives us discernment, which we need so desperately in this day and age. We are of God, it says in 1 John 4, 6. He who knows God hears us. John is saying, He who does not know God does not hear us. By this we know the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. See, God's Spirit will, if you will, confirm what's written in His Word. Here's a truth I learned a long time ago from a wise man I couldn't tell you because I heard it so many times. It's God's Word will never contradict God's Spirit, but God's Spirit will never contradict God's Word. Let me say that again. God's Word will never contradict God's Spirit. God's Spirit will never contradict God's Word. That's why whenever you hear something that supposedly the Holy Spirit is doing and it contradicts God's Word, you should have the discernment to say, no. Now, I have to say too, in my experience, when I was first believed in the Lord and gave my heart to Him, I really didn't have any mentors, I didn't have any teachers. So I went to just about everything I could find on television and watched and listened and I was listening, now I could sit back and go, wow, some, some wacky ones I was listening to. But even at that time, it was interesting, I found. What was it? I'd be sitting there listening to somebody, soaking in, then all of a sudden I go, that's not right. Now, I don't know how I knew that. Was it my brain going, hey, foul? No, it was God's Spirit saying, no, that's not right. That's not my word. And that's not truth. But see, you have that too. But again, it comes to listening. Not what I want to hear, but what is the truth? What is it God's trying to teach me? Does it glorify His Son? 
does it again confirm his word? Does it stay in step with his spirit? Now, it also, if you will, it confirms our faith. What? Listen. The Spirit confirms our faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let me break it down just simply. What is it? You cannot come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, understanding that He is fully God, fully man, that He came to the cross and died for your sins, and He risen again from the dead after three days. He ascended into heaven, and now He sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He was born of a virgin because He's fully man and fully God. If you accept that and you believe that, and you don't put Him on par with Buddha or anybody else, but you understand that He is above all, then guess what? You have the Spirit of God in you. Do you ever doubt before? Stop doubting. It's true. Why? Because I'm declaring it? No, because God's declaring it. Remember, God's Spirit does not contradict His Word. His Word doesn't contradict Him. What I'm speaking to you is the truth by His Word. And all we can say is, oh, praise God. I do have the Holy Spirit. He is there, inside me, at home, doing a work, doing a beautiful work. But also to understand, how do I know? Because what He does is He convicts me of my sin. Or does He you? James 4.5, it says, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Or like it says in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. Let me ask you something. Can you sin and just go, praise God, I just did that, and there's liberty and there's peace and I can do whatever I want. If you have that in your heart and mind, then I do question whether you truly are saved. Because for us as believers, we understand something. When I sin, I feel conviction. Not to damnation, because there is no condemnation. But I've broken a relationship, if you will, the fellowship. I broke the fellowship. God hasn't left me, but it's like I turned my back on Him. Until I come to the realization like, hey, there's something amiss here and the Lord's upset with me and I confess that sin, then I'm just, again, harboring a feeling which can snowball into other things. Whether it's other sin or it's a hardness. But you and I being believers, doesn't matter how hard you may get in that heart, God's not going to let you go. And you know that. He's going to constantly be at your door knocking and going... That wasn't right. What you said to your wife, that wasn't right. How you had to handle your kids, that wasn't right. What you did at work, that wasn't right. You need to make it right. Not because God is forcing you, but because God understands something. That you're the one hurting yourself. That He's got His name on you. His reputation. You're part of His family. And He wants what's best for us constantly. Can you say that? Can you say that you get conviction? Welcome to the family of God. The Holy Spirit's in you. Is that good news? He confirms it. He is mine and I am His. 
Now, again, let's read verse 10 again. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. You're alive in righteousness. Or like I, like it says in, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. This body's dying. Not in here. It's being renewed every day. God's at work constantly. Oh, isn't that good news? What drives me nuts around this town is, I'll tell you honestly, especially right before winter, for some reason they start all these road projects, don't they? And then through the winter, they're not working on it, but those stupid cones are in the way, right? They don't finish the project. I come with a mindset, if you're going to start something, finish it. If you're not going to finish it, then don't start it until the next spring. What are you doing to us? Now, isn't it good news that God doesn't do that? God's not starting a work and then go, ah, i got to worry about, I can't pick on Kevin, he's not here. I, I can't worry about Caleb. I've I got other things to do. There's other people. See, that's not the way God works. He's always at work in us. Always, constantly. We can rest in that. God's not done with you. God's at work in you. And God's going to continue that work until it's complete. He's transforming us. We read this in 2 Corinthians 3.18 last week. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You're being conformed and transformed right now while you're sitting there. Think about that. <clears throat> there's, there's horns and whistles and alarms going off inside you constantly. God's at work. Constant. Never stopping. Always working. Just like we just read in Titus. About according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. He's at work. See, we give up on ourselves, don't we? Like, ah, God's got to be so disappointed in me. Wait a minute, though. There's no condemnation. No, he just, he wants to work these things in and through us. And we're not even going to touch about the fruit of the Spirit. We're just talking about just the reality of God's Spirit in you. It's not about how you feel about it. It's the truth. Why? Because God declared it. And God cannot lie. God says, I'm in you. And I love you. I'm doing a work in here. I'm teaching you. I'm instructing you. I'm walking with you. Is that good to know? It's not just on the outside taking His hand, like we talked about last week, but it's Him inside us. Think of the beauty of that. Because... To us, again, there's those doors we don't want to open. There's those closets that's just full of junk and we're just so sick of it, but we're so tired of going through it all the time. And God's saying, don't worry about it. I'll clean it with you. But stay with me. Because there's going to come a time when I say, open the door. Let's get rid of it. Let me do it. But let me tell you, be sensitive to me. Because see, so many times we're not... We go ahead of them. God, I can't believe this happened in my life. I want to deal with this right now. God is not ready for that yet. There's other things I want to show you. Understand that. Know that. 
Let him do his thing. Because it's always right. It's always the way it should be. Now, let's finish this. Look at verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Life eternal. That's what he's saying. Life eternal. That's the work he's doing in and through all of us. So we'd be home. Oh, think about that too. Is that the good news is is that in heaven it's not like there's going to be a group of people that it's like uh, the kind of people that you know God just didn't quite finish. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they just never really got it. They're kind of, if you will, the 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 rejects. Uh, the you know the old conveyor belt and. Um, maybe I'm going to, maybe this is Monty Python. Maybe I shouldn't even go here. But I just remember this conveyor belt, right? And then all of a sudden it would reject one of those cartoon, you know how, um, I'm probably going somewhere I shouldn't. But anyway, reject the guy, right? And throw him out. And that's the way we feel sometimes. And we think that there's a group of people, there's nobody like that in heaven. And we'll get to that. But how can we know that for sure? I'm going to give you a few things here. One, we learn something. What is it? That we have a guarantee. What is the guarantee? Second Corinthians one twenty two. Listen to this. Who has also sealed us and given us the spirit of our hearts as a guarantee. Second Corinthians one twenty two. Same book, chapter five, verse five. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who also has given us a spirit as a guarantee. What does that mean? God is saying this, that God has given us His spirit inside us as a deposit, as a guarantee, a guarantee payment. What I've begun in you, being kind of this very thing, that what God has begun in you, He will complete it. So He's given us His spirit, saying, you are mine. I declare it. It's my guarantee. Now walk in it. But not just as a guarantee. Check this out. He's also sealed us. Ephesians 1.13 In Him also you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, not as a guarantee only, but as sealed, done, document, done, your mind. So it doesn't matter if the enemy comes by and says, Oh, you can't be one of his. Look at you. You can't even get anything done. You can't even read your Bible in the morning. You're not a witness. Who do you witness to? What proof are you? You have the Spirit. Where's your fruit? No, no, no. That's not the way it works. Remember I told you, it's God's doing the work. And we'll get into our part of it. Like I said, hopefully, well, it won't be till next year. What's our part in it? Right now, just simple. Believe. This is the truth. God's at work. He's guaranteed it. He sealed it. But He's also, He preserves us. Check this out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, Paul says, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, kept by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. 
In 1 Thessalonians, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Who's doing it? Are you doing it? Goodness gracious, if it was up to us, we'd all be Monty Python characters. No. God guarantees it. God says it. God seals it. God promises it. Lift up your eyes, as we've said before. God's in love with you. Deal with it. God loves you. We're going, I'm not lovable. It's not based on how lovable you are. If that was the case, He would have never came and died for us in the first place. Because while we are still enemies, God came in Christ and died for us. It's about the goodness of God. It's about His love. That's what we celebrate in Christmas. Amazing, amazing. This Creator that created us that should have just rejected the whole thing. No, no. He had a plan. He sent His Son to come in human form to die for us. Amazing. So we see we have a guarantee that He's sealed us. He's preserved us. But He's also making us perfect. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. That's you, that's me. Who are registered in heaven. Name's already there. Think that with me. Ever go somewhere, like a wedding or something, and have all the names and reserve seating, and you can't find your name? How do you feel? Left out? Unimportant? What? Not in heaven. Your name's reserved already. Can you imagine that? You you, you know, Christ is up there and He's building you a mansion. He's building you a home. And you have a home. And it has your name on it. Already there. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? He's made us perfect. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men, made perfect. Oh, you see me now. I'm falling apart. But there's a work that's being done inside. The body's falling apart. the, The perfect work that God is doing inside me is going to be complete. You too. Uh, See, God is a worker that always finishes his project, and it's always good. And when God says it's good, we would call it perfect. Yes, we were made wonderfully amazing, but can you imagine us in heaven? So how do we finish this? Just these three things I want you to remember. First of all, greater is He that is in you than he that is in this world. Why? Because you are of God, little children. He's in you. Nothing to be afraid of. What's the other one? Listen. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides at home in love abides in God, and God in him. What does that mean? It means those that have come to the realization that you are loved. 
that you stay there. It's your home there. God loves me. Now I'm experiencing it. Why? Because I believe it. I'm holding on to it. I know He's faithful. I know He's true. And to experience it is for us to stay in that love. Oh, actually, you know, we should finish with that. If we went to Jude, listen to this. How? They told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. It's building up these truths. That's why we went over all this. It's for us to hear them, to know that He said that, and if He said it, it's done. It's not about if I feel the Holy Spirit all the time. Because we're to walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling, by His Word, by His truth. And He says, I'm in you. I'm abiding in you. I love you. Abide in my love. Abide in my truth. Let me teach you. Let me instruct you. Let me confirm your faith. Let me walk with you. Let me talk to you. Let me teach you. Don't be discouraged if you're reading something you're not getting it, because you will get it. You'll get what I'm teaching you. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down and said, okay, God, i got to know this. I don't get this. And the Lord says, that's not what I'm trying to teach you right now. I'm not, not in those exact words. I can't say you said, that's not what I'm trying to teach But I realized that's not what I got out of it. And I realized he was teaching me something totally different. It's letting him be the teacher. But it's also having me yield myself to him by allowing him to teach me, whether it's through the word of God or it's life. See, the Lord will take his word and he'll instruct us in life. And what it means to be his child and to abide in his love. I get discouraged. But to know that even when I don't see, if you will, the seed germinate, germinate, it's germinating. And it will produce. And it will grow in His timing. But can you imagine being a tree and keep getting up and walking around? The roots wouldn't go very deep. First wind that would start blowing, what would happen? It would fall over. That's not the case with us. Our roots go deep into Him because He's our God. And we abide in Him because He abides in us. Now, I have to tell you, we've gone way too long and I apologize for that. I didn't realize the time. But for that, we need to get into the communion service. If I could have the worship group come up and let's pray. Father, we just thank You for this time to be in Your Word. I just pray for each of us that we have grabbed hold of these truths that Your Spirit is in us. Lord, for those that are discouraged, I pray that You encourage them this morning, knowing that You have not let go of them, that You will never let go of them, that Your work will be complete. And during this time on this earth, You desire to teach us to know the Father, the Son, and Your Spirit. Lord, help us to be sensitive to not what we desire, but what You desire. Bless, Lord, this congregation and let your name, your reputation, and your character be planted on each of us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.